Can I give you an update on the Father Father Biscuit saga? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> dude. Basically, um, you know, we had this weird Father Biscuit coincidence with this guy who uh, wanted my handle on Trivia Crack, and so he beat me for it. And he ended up uh, listening to the podcast where we shouted out, we told the story, and he wrote to me on March 2nd. That's so funny you got the game the day before me. The only reason I got the game is because a bunch of people I'm traveling with are playing it. Okay, so that was basically the end of my encounter with Father Biscuit. Until, uh, do do do. His sister. March 13th, I'll leave her last name out, but a certain Katie Beth challenged me to a game on uh, on Trivia Crack and messaged me. And I, of course, I just like never look at the messages on this game. I play it maybe once a day or twice a day, keep up with my games. But it was just this random person says, hey, I heard your podcast from a couple weeks ago about Trivia Crack. And the guy that was challenging you for the tag, it was really funny to hear from your, your perspective because that's my brother. It was over our Christmas break. So uh, she listened. Here, I'll just read what she wrote. Okay. Um. It was the running news story at our house, who was winning and what the stats were and everything. And I mean, it was during when everyone had this app, so me and my parents were constantly playing it. So my brother decided to download it. When we asked what his tag was like, what, what his tag was, he was like, I'm the real Father Biscuit because this guy already has Father Biscuit. <laughs> but it's all right. I'm challenging him right now for the tag. So, of course, we were all rooting for him. And it was funny to hear his updates. He was pretty calm about it compared to us. He was kind of self-assured he would win. <laughs> but none of us knew who had won because he left for his semester abroad before you guys had finished. So hearing it on y'all's podcast to find out what happened was pretty great. So she didn't even know that he ended up winning the tag, yeah, I guess. That's crazy. But I told her that we'd shout out on the, the podcast to, to Katie Beth. Katie Beth, thanks for listening. Isn't that nuts? Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Well, then we also have this uh, fan from Germany now who has contacted us, Christine. Christine. Yes, Christine. And she had uh, she had a few questions which I thought were interesting and she wanted she even asked that we like address some of them on the uh the podcast because she's been listening from Germany and is not a native speaker. And one of the funniest things, I don't know if she was intending to be funny, but came out very humorously to me in her reply was uh Thanks to your podcast and the Urban Dictionary, I now know what it means to, quote, get hammered <laughs> and, quote, be pumped about something. <laughs> be pumped about something. Like she's not familiar with the idiomatic sure. expressions of American English, but uh, she was wondering why I was called Seabisk. She said, why is Seabisk named after a racing horse? And that that's pretty simple. I mean, it's just the fact that that movie was out when I was in college and my RA gave me their nickname one day. I remember he was he was down the hall from me, and I, I was, like, on the other side of the hallway. And we all just had names for each other. He was Jay Hugh because he was Jeremy Hewitt. Um, everybody had some nickname like that, but they were all very malleable and changeable and depending on your mood that day. Or, and so he just yelled down the hallway. I said, I was like, what's up, Jay Hugh? And he just goes, what's up, C-Biscuit? <laughs> Like he he was gonna say sea dog or see something else, and he just said sea biscuit, and that 
we laughed both laughed so hard that it just stuck um so that's the story behind that but Why she was you called michael metz yeah what's it what's the background behind your nickname well i actually get that question a lot because my full name is john michael metz oh, oh really and so i guess i knew that because yeah. of your email with government documentation that is a hassle man um but I, I have no clue why my parents decided to call me Michael instead of John. So, you know, it wasn't up to me. That's just, I grew up being called Michael. Is John, John after some relative? They're both after my dad's grandparents, Johnny Johnny Metz and Michaela Metz. So they went with John Michael. So Interesting. Yeah, and they're both still alive. They're not listeners of the podcast. So <laughs> no, yet. Maybe they will be now. Marginal Catholics, yet. I would say. They got, they got mentioned. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yep. That's right. And what about you, Rob? Where'd juice come from? Actually, you gave me uh, the I nickname. No, I know I gave you that nickname. Uh, uh, you knew what you were doing there, Father. Yeah, you set me up. Uh, I think, if I remember right, um, so you and I both went to the University of Illinois. Mm-hmm. And my junior year there, which I think you would have been in seminary already. I think I was a year out. I was fighting fires when the person that you're about to mention. Okay, so we had a quarterback on our football ta- team named Juice Williams. That's right. His name was Isaiah Williams, but they everyone called him Juice Williams. I don't know where his nickname came from, but he was huge, man. Had a pro caliber arm, took us to the Rose Bowl, um, had a very good football team that year. And so he was kind of a legend around U of I. And then I think it was a softball game right. here, was it not? Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably like, hit a home run you hit there. a couple dingers yeah and uh you said you must have been on the other team maybe and ask had i been juicing is uh, that how it started i believe at least someone had said like oh man he's juicing it was probably me it was probably you and uh <laughs> yeah that was you <laughs> i could have been anyone I don't know. <laughs> yeah. from there you just started uh every time you well, got up to bat i was really just trash chanting. talking and i was chanting juice every time that you got up to bat every time i got up to bat and it stuck mainly from you continuing to call me juice <laughs> from there on out um but now i mean my nephew is juice box he's juice dubbed box. by i think you actually <laughs> yeah, juice, so. box. juice box is an awesome nickname yeah totally. juice box juice box is an awesome guy yeah he is he is a How great old is guy he? He's three. Yeah, three. He's three. See, but I thought juice came... So it's actually from steroids. Well... Like a reference to you doing... I thought it was because juice was so jacked and you were so jacked. You mean Juice Williams was jacked? Juice Williams, It's both. I think it fits with both. Like, because there is the Illinois tie between... My my thinking is because I'm basically the author uh, of this nickname. I just started calling you juice because of that softball game. Yeah. But it's a fitting nickname because I already knew of someone being called juice right from U, from U of I who was also jacked mm-hmm. he just it bears many similarities to yourself yeah yeah that, no we look <laughs> very similar that, like he was he was a threat both for the pass and the run right. stuff like that yep mm-hmm. it's all coming together now mm-hmm. yeah it fits yeah it fits so there's our nicknames the painting looks great by the way mike thank you all right, so what else What else did she ask? I really enjoyed... I know she asked where the Three Dogs North, the name comes yeah, from. Yeah, she wanted to know why we're called dogs. Okay. Well, do you want to give that? Do I? And is there a theology to our name? Because I tell people that there is. At least I made it up. I Let's, think it, it certainly fits with the... Um, I think the identity and the personality of the cam. I mean, dogs fits very well with it. 
Yeah, let's put it this way. I think that our cam, for whatever reason, from time immemorial, for much longer than we've been on, and cam, I should clarify, is yeah, yeah. For, short for Latin camera, meaning house. So each of the hallways on the seminary, like bicameral legislators, is a, a two-house legislator. So that, that cam is short for house, but it's just basically a hallway right. of, what, 16 rooms each, probably? Yep. And depending on the year, you'll have between probably 8 and 16 guys living in a hallway. But um, our cam has had this identity of the dogs for decades. Yeah. And, in fact, I heard a story once where uh, a priest or seminarian was out in Colorado somewhere and went to confession behind the screen and mentioned that he was a seminarian. And the priest just asked him, oh, what seminary do you go to? And he said, Mundelein. He's like, oh, what cam are you on? He said, Three North. And the guy said, oh, I'm a dog, too. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Yes. That is amazing. Which is very cool. Yeah. So this culture um, precedes us by time and space. Sure. But I think the identity of dogness, I mean, the the apocrypha around its origin is varied. But I've always taken it to be that the dog is this servant uh, who loyally serves his master with joy and uh I had a thing on my door for a while. Do you remember that? It was from First Things. It was one of their little blurbs in First Things of a uh, I do English it. translation of a medieval um, little morality deal about the ten qualities of the dog that make him an excellent image of a servant of God. Hmm. And, you know, the fact that he waits for his master eagerly. Um, he is quick to forget the uh, the strike on its mouth and wags the tail as soon as it's offered a, a treat, you know, things like that, um, that it never takes anything with it when it travels, that it, it sleeps wherever it it can and doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't demand more necessities than it needs and things like that. Um, so it's just a good image of, I think, a, a servant and a joyful um, person whose life is not about him. And so the culture that I was kind of formed in here on Three North was that You'd, uh, as a dog, you were the first to volunteer if, like, volunteers were needed, you know, um, that you always stood up for, you know, you were there as a brother for anybody who needed it, especially a cam brother, a fellow dog, um, you know, made sure that everybody felt included and things like that. So I, I think it was just a, a helpful little peer accountability thing, um, and certainly my best friendships in the seminary were largely centered around this cam, uh, guys who lived on it. And I think that's natural. People you live near, you tend to see more and hang out with more. Um, but yeah, that's where Three Dogs North came. I think it's just a mashup of the fact that we're three dogs and I remember, we live on Three North. Yeah. When we were talking about the name for the podcast, we had some good ones. We did, but we there did. was only one. I think yeah. we had some pretty Bush League ones. What were some of the good ones? I can't even remember. It's not important. Tell yeah. the story about how it came to be that that's the name. Were you going to say you remember when we were coming out with the name? I just remember like going through. I mean, it took us a couple weeks to think of yeah. the name. Yeah. I don't remember how we thought of Three Dogs. North, well, let though. me tell you about it. Do right? you know? Wait, do you remember? Mike? I do remember. Oh, okay. I yeah, remember tell us. it. Was, it was definitely a motion of the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt about it. Obviously. Like most things, Three Dogs North, the Holy Spirit is a central figure. Um, you came up with, um, 
it was an amalgamation of all three of us combining something at the same moment. So you were talking about how we're like on the cam and gave the idea of the dogs and being on the north wing. And you were the one who gave the Trinitarian of like, oh, we're there, and there's three of us. So it's like the Trinity. And then... Uh, There's I think, three of us, so it's like the Trinity. Yeah, that is the lamest I don't, I don't theological think I, parallel I've exactly ever heard. This is exactly how it happened, dude. May, at best, you said that. <laughs> I don't think e- I said that. No, this dude, exactly three-day weekend, it it's like the Trinity. Yeah. And then, no, listen. And then Hang myself, on, I'm holding three fingers up. What are you thinking of right myself, now? <laughs> Trinity. The Trinity. The Blessed Trinity, as Florida Gold would say. And then myself acting in the position of like the Supreme Pontifex, the Pope, I declared that it was so that we were three dogs north because of your three and your suggestion of dogs on the north residence. Mm-hmm. None of that happened. That is absolutely <laughs> true. <laughs> no, honestly, none of that happened. It may have happened yeah. in a multiverse world. What are you talking about? It was in the studio slash my room that happened. <laughs> Well, if we had been recording, we could verify, but I don't think we were. No, I, n- that's not what happened. <laughs> I remember for a couple of weeks, you would constantly throw out band names. Like, you, did, <laughs> like, you had band names you know, all the time. Like, trash bag pillars. That'd be good, wouldn't it? What do you guys think? <laughs> and, uh, well, we wanted to be edgy and a little bit incognito, so it wasn't like... You know, it did, one more Catholic it. podcast. Yeah, that know. is true. And in fact, even in the podcast in iTunes, we're still listed under philosophy. Mm-hmm. Correct. We're not a Catholic. Yeah, my brother podcast. did that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that is. Yeah. But we have gotten enough subscribers who subscribe to other things that now there is a, a thing at the bottom that says subscribers also subscribe to. Oh, nice. And I clicked on each one that's on ours, uh, and we don't appear in any of their subscribers also subscribe to. I don't know what that means, but the meaning like. That these ones like Word on Fire and Father Mike Schmitz and oh I see um, big yeah. podcasts those people who who subscribe to them also some of them happen to subscribe to us but if you go to Mike Schmitz you're not going to see also subscribe to Three Dogs North <laughs> I'm surprised by that to be I'm honest. shocked yeah <laughs> relax you know another another aspect that. Um, I think a dog in general, it's a very Christian idea, is that the the dog's, his whole world is revolving around his master. Mm-hmm. Of like, if the master's home, that's where the dog is. Totally. And if the master's away, I mean, I guess I don't know the thinking capability of a dog, but he's waiting for his master to get home. Mm-hmm. And wherever the master goes, that's where the dog wants to be. Mm-hmm. Like in the car, chilling with his master, at home, sitting by the fireside, at the feet of his master. I think that's a, a, a pretty good image for a seminarian to have or just any any Christian person to have. You want to hear a crazy thing about dogs my dad told me? I, I don't know if he was listening to a podcast or read an article, but they did some scientific study on dogs because they noticed that, and this happens, like if they put cameras in a house with a dog uh, where like o- only the master lives in the house or something like that, the dog will basically be chill when the, the master leaves for work and just kind of hang out but like an hour half an hour especially like 15 10 minutes before the master gets home every day the dog starts to just like go bonkers because he's ready and he knows somehow that the the master's return is imminent and they were wondering how this happens and so they were taking all these little variables out and uh to see whether they could get the dog not to have this behavior and the thing that did it was that they um, just pumped scent 
the master sent into the house at a constant rate so that it never changed. Hmm. And the dog never did anything. So what they figured out was that the dog, who basically experiences, like many animals, experiences the world through his nose, you know, because I think their vision is not very good, but um, their sense of smell is way, way more sensitive than ours. Um, He could tell when the scent of his master had dissipated to the point where it's like, usually at this point, the master's coming home. And he associated that lack of his master's smell Hmm. with his master's return. And so he'd start to get excited. He's like, when it stops smelling like him, like this much, that means he's usually... like his alarm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I don't know if you want to, you know, go with a theological parallel, but... um, do it the, sen- like going, <laughs> the going sense there, of god's like... absence it's darkest before the dawn you know that that's sort of christian hope of the because re- i mean we're an eschatological religion meaning we we live in hope of a future age you know that the resurrection of christ is not a one-time thing but is the hope we all have in store for us that we're not going to just be disembodied ghosts living on clouds but that this whole thing this whole project is getting renewed and it's in the process of being renewed and so we are these people that sit and wait and, you know, we're not rapture people. We're not like, oh, I hope I get picked and I hope that in my lifetime sometime like this whole thing just gets set on fire and I get plucked out. But that we're part of the the renewal process in bringing the. That's what's cool about being Catholic is that the divine life is available. This fountain of grace is available through the church and through the sacraments that it has been given. Um and that, that renewal is happening. And each one of us, God knows, we've all been renewed, you know, and made new people. Because, like, I was telling my confirmation kids this over the weekend at the retreat. I give a little talk on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, if you had known, you know, eighth grade Connor, like your age Connor, you would not have seen Father Connor in that kid, you know. Um and Paul talks about this. You want proof of the ho- existence of the Holy Spirit? Look at how you've turned from idols. Mm. I think that that's such a good proof of God's existence to a person who has, you know, come to a dark part where the master seems like he's been away, away for a while, where, you know, you've kind of invested in the Christian life and, you're, and you've, you know, you acknowledge that the goods of the world will not satisfy and you've given up sinful habits and, okay, I have something. But then it kind of, the salt loses its flavor, you know? I think we've all gotten to that point at some point, right? It's like, man, if this doesn't satisfy, I know that other stuff won't satisfy. And there's a sort of despair there. That happened to me in the seminary. I'm like, man, I'm not sure I want this, but I definitely don't want what I had before. So, um, but that's the point where, um, you know, this, this like renewal where you, you look at your own life and how God has transformed you and you say, no, I know this is real. And Peter's whole thing to, in John 6, Lord, who would we go to? You have the words of eternal life. Even when it's hard, even when it's like, Ugh, you know, do I want to deal with this again today? Like, no. Look into your memory at how God has totally changed you for the better and say, I could not have done that myself. You know, I couldn't with my willpower just decide to be this way. You know, this awesome dude that I am now. I'm so incredible. <laughs> well, <I was> gonna, <laughs> that's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I was going to say, oh, look yeah. at how awesome I am. God must exist. <laughs> Because I'm such a perfect image. Do you of think him. I could do this on my own? Don't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's like the great act of scripture. Is Israel is constantly throughout its history told and asked and commanded 
to remember the great acts of God. And like even the mass itself, the anamnesis, the remembering that you're bringing present, like that's a huge act of the Christian that we have to participate in is constantly bringing to mind God's action in history. That's what it means to be Christian. That's what it means to believe in God is like you have been so changed by how God has changed your life that you constantly call to mind those things, the saving acts of, of Jesus. That's what we do at mass, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think when we forget to forget to remember these things, that's, I mean, that's when you see like Israel go astray Mm -hmm. because they're off doing their own thing. And why'd you make us die out here in this desert? When we could have eaten from the flesh pots in Egypt. Yeah, yeah. that is interesting. Like, as I, this year, I've really noticed, because this is my third full year of doing the Liturgy of the Hours, and, like, how the church takes us through the Exodus, like, in yeah, this year. process of Lent to get to Easter. And, it's, I mean, we've even talked about it, like, with, um, you know, like, Ratzing, Ratzinger's whole thing of, like, the um like the true exodus you know is the the resurrection of christ you know but like in those times and you read they constantly constantly complain and find something (laughs) to complain to god about and you read this over and over sometimes i wonder if that's just all that made the news you know is when the new thing came up true complaining about oh we're sick of this meat that you're giving us for free and then the serpents come and bite them, and they're like, oh, we're kind of sick of these serpents now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a cool, kind of what we're, we're talking about um, here, but that whole thing of remembering. I've noticed that, like, as I've matured the past couple years, especially, you can go back Debatable. to... Fair enough. <laughs> Fair statement. <laughs> um you're never as far along in the spiritual life as you think you are. So that <laughs> so is true. so true. Um, that was a Cywick. Uh, oh, is that what he said? Yep. He I told like us that. that pretty much every day we had class mm-hmm. with him. Uh, can we call it a Cywickism? It's a Cywickism. I like the little aphorism we got in the homily this morning. The only people who don't make mistakes are people who do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was good. That was a good mm-hmm. homily. That is true. Anyway. Um, anyway, but I have noticed um, the past few years especially, kind of like what you were talking about, there's there's times when yeah like it's been rough day rough week or whatever and like you're wondering like is this going to satisfy me forever like is this jesus guy going to be there Mm -hmm. every day um but honestly like you can go back to not that long ago you know a few years or 10 years or whatever and be like i know that's i know that doesn't fulfill me um and then like I guess through the grace of prayer and things like that, like you can call to mind like times where like God has very tangibly worked in, in my life and give thanks for that. Um, so in a sense, it's like a process of becoming more and more real, I guess, like throughout these, throughout these years, the art of remembering, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the other day, actually in Barron's class, um, we were talking about, he took us through the Paschal mystery, um, according to like how Balthazar goes through it. And do you remember this, this class that I'm talking about? Oh, it was remarkable. I almost, this has never happened to me before in class. Honestly, I almost cried during the class. Um, Cause he was talking about like how 
Jesus goes to the the Son, the Son of God, goes to the absolute depths and like the furthest depravity of man. So he walks through how Balthazar walks through um, like the whole passion of Christ, even and then like at his at his death and his burial. And he had us look at uh, it was like Hans Holbein, I think the the picture of the the dead Christ that he painted. And this, I mean, it's just a morbid picture. Like the the wounds are gaping, and like his his body's in rigor mortis, and like his eyes are half open, and everything. And I had this thought then, and I was like, okay, I I wasn't ready to see that Christ was kind of what I thought because I looked it up in class. Yeah, I did as well. And um. To be honest, like this is how I related it in my own life, but it was the first time I was scared for my thirty day, hmm. and because I like I've had like I said I've had this experience of like recalling and and experiencing and kind of receiving all these amazing graces like from God, but it was just like between how Baron walked us through, it's pretty much a gospel presentation of this Paschal mystery. And then seeing that image, I took it. I took that image to my holy hour and just stared at it for, for the bulk of the hour. And I was like, how I articulate at the end, I was like, Lord, I don't know how to let you in that deep. Like the the depths that you're willing to go to for me, um, I I don't know how to let you in there in my own heart. But I give you permission to do it, and. So I, again, like kind of thinking again in my life tangibly coming up is the 30 day, like prepping for, prepping for it and like praying around these desires and things like that. Um, But it was the first time that I was scared of it. It was like, Jesus means business. And like he, there's nothing that he doesn't want to brought to the light. Like he will go to the absolute limits of God forsakenness um, for me. So I think that kind of relates to what we were talking about, mm-hmm. but I thought it was just a cool grace for, um, for me. That's awesome. What's the name of the painting again? If you just Google, um, like dead Christ mm-hmm. and it's Hans H A N S Holbein. It's like H O L B E I N. And, and von Balthasar's Mysterium Pascale is based on this painting. Nope. Nope. Baron took us through Mysterium Pascale okay according to like balthazar's yeah and mentioned this painting and he mentioned this painting because this is the painting that when dostoevsky saw it oh that story yeah dostoevsky had a seizure and then put the story of that he inserted it into the idiot oh uh, really his book the idiot Mm -hmm. and so that's where that scene comes from Mm -hmm. is when he saw this um like it moved him so so deeply and i think dostoevsky's line was like that christ can't rise mm-hmm. which is a haunting line yeah. if you think about it but yeah. that's i mean this picture is it's gruesome, it's real man. man he's like green and uh his jaw is kind of propped like half open oh my gosh like gasping for his last breath but that was kind of von balthazar's whole point that father baron was explaining was that um like we ought not romanticize the cross. Mm-hmm. We see him all the time. We see Jesus on the crucifix, mm-hmm. but um, the He's reality kind of, of a, it. A little bit of a ballerina pose. Sure. Yeah. And he had a great line about like, who the hell puts roses on the cross? Mm-hmm. You know, because that's not like 
the cross that the Romans had, um, the word excruciating comes from that. Oh, yeah. Pain, pain excruciating from X. From the cross. Yeah, from the cross. And uh, I don't know, Von Balthasar's, I th- his whole point to it is to show the immense love of, of God. Now, he called it the acrobatic act of the sun going to the depths of humanity to the limit case of pain and suffering. And he says, so, what the, as he's going down, 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 the Holy Spirit is the vinculum amoris, the, the chain of love, kind of yeah. like this rubber band effect. Yeah, the, the bungee yeah, cord. Bungee cord. Uh, yeah, the deeper, cool. deeper he goes, the, the more he's um, drawn back to his father. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the resurrection. When the trick, I don't know if this is Balthazar's line or Barron's, but like, no matter what direction you run from the Father, you fall into the arms of the Son. Mm-hmm. Because there's nowhere that you're going that he already is Oh, man, that's so there. cool. And that, I mean, we've kind of, like, talked about that a little bit, but, like, it was actually that line that almost, and I'm, I'm not kidding, I, like, I thought about getting up and leaving because I don't want to start crying <laughs> in class. But whatever direction and how, however fast you're running from the Father, like, you'll fall into the arms of the getting sun closer and closer to the sun because he's already there. Yeah. And then that's the whole, like that's what the Holy spirit is, is the love that draws Christ back to his father, draws the son back to the father. Yeah. Except like he brings the world with him. Mm-hmm. And so that's just, it, then it gets to be more and more Catholic because this is a redemption, not only of us like individually, but like, the aspect of communal salvation and even the salvation of the cosmos comes in. It's like he's redeeming the world as he's drawn back up to the Father. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, like the soteriological principle of what's what's assumed is saved and what's not mm-hmm. assumed is not saved. And so, like, he has to go to the limits of humanity to save the margins of humanity. Um, because if he, if Christ isn't saving it, uh, you know, then it's not saved. And so he has to, he goes all the way, all the way down, mm-hmm. all the way into the tomb, dead as Hans Holbein depicts him as being dead. Uh, and then, yeah, the Holy Spirit does the bungee cord snap action back up to Papa and uh, and brings us up with him. And it was, but it's like, it's wrapped up in this human drama that like we get to experience and live. And I guess that's what I was kind of saying, too, with like that fear of the 30 day kind of popping in was like realizing that like in like my own heart, like Christ wants to go to the very depths, like the things that like I'm not able to articulate right now. Um, Like he wants those and like he's willing to go there if I give him permission. So it was it was a baller class. Yeah, and I think in more ways than one, like that's really the answer to the big problems of suffering and evil and things like that that we see that people are so perplexed by and are driven away from God by these things. Like those, and we've talked about it a lot, how people who have suffered and have found Christ as the answer, how they are so at peace and are like on another plane. They're just... Uh, so engulfed by his love like he is the answer to all of those questions that the guy it it gives me courage to go out and say look anyone no matter where you are Christ 
can meet you there and has already been there. Mm-hmm. Like what confidence that strikes in the evangelist's heart that he cried as an atheist from the cross, Father, why have you abandoned me? Mm-hmm. Like that was one of the lines that struck oh, me yeah. so heavily of like, yeah, he he was always the son. He mm-hmm. was always a divine person. But psychologically and humanly, through his human nature, he had the perspective of an atheist from the cross. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's he experienced all, what they experienced. Yeah. In and disbelief. Complete abandonment. Mm-hmm. Complete abandonment. Um, and I mean, you look at... Um, of course, it's a risky thing to say that. Sure. Because it, it can be taken the wrong way. Sure, sure, Christ sure, sure. was an atheist, but yeah, so I know it has you, to be. I get what you're saying. Yeah, it always has to be considered within the doctrines, Christological doctrines that mm-hmm. we have established. That this is through his human nature. Mm-hmm. He never quits being a divine person. But, um, like, we can go out and tell that to anyone. That's that's good news. Like, you think you're by yourself? You're not, man. There's a God who loves you, who's with you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how low you are, been there, done that. He's got the t-shirt and he's, he's already <laughs> redeemed it. You know, it's already been saved. And so it's, um, I don't know, like that, that gives a lot of joy and consolation. Like we can go out and meet the world wherever it's at because Christ has already done that. Dogs go to heaven, goats go to hell. The only question I have is that we're talking about like the deeper and deeper you go, the closer you get to, to Christ because he's already gone there. Mm-hmm. But like in terms of this podcast, we've just been so meteoric in our rise mm-hmm. and like shooting to the heights of podcast perfect. I mean, let's just be fair and say that there's not a podcast better than ours in existence. No. Yeah. I, I, so is that being really fair to, I mean, this whole act of redemption that we're talking about, shouldn't we be worse than we are so that he can draw us up? But I see the conundrum that we find ourselves in. Yeah. I mean, it's the classic both and, really. Right. Don't know where I was going with that. Let's, but we yeah. could leave it at that. Yeah. It explains itself, really, when it gets when you get right down to it. I, you know what? In it, we may be... I, can't, <laughs> I was going to go way out on a limb there, but... I, you know, the more that I think about it and to see just how, like just embodied the Holy Spirit is in our podcast. Right. Like we could be, you know, the in persona Christi, like going into the depths of podcast dumb right. into podcastness so that we can draw all podcasts back up. So we're like <laughs> humiliating ourselves mm-hmm. by even doing a podcast. Right. This yeah. is like we're you know well I'm not gonna say above it, but I mean I said it. Has <laughs> assuming this podcast has been totally redeemed in this meteoric rise like dare i say like we've come out of the cave walking on our hands Mm -hmm. and our rise is actually like to the depths of podcastness yeah i see what you're saying yeah so when you come out of the cave walking on your hands you see the world upside down hanging by a thread right so our meteoric rise is actually a descent into the depths right because Duke and Altum. Amen. Yeah. Dude, Nolite Timore. You know what I'm saying? Duke and Altum, which is, yeah, interesting. The Latin, which then becomes the Italian, Versalo Alto. Wow. Oh. Wow. Wow. I'm just concerned. I don't want to fall into any kind of like exemplarism where, mm-hmm. you know, other podcasts are just trying to imitate us because we're the perfect 
form of podcast. Sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it, but it's really that they participate in Three Dogs Northness. <laughs> <laughs> that I, I would say the theology needs to be developed like right. around that, but well, there's trust a me, lot pe- to work with. <laughs> yeah, people I mean, are people are already spilling gallons of ink. Theologians, <laughs> yeah. yes, theologians have been stirring. Yeah, about what judging from the half dozen of emails that we've gotten you mm-hmm. know what can you <laughs> <laughs> let's just say people are talking uh, yeah. we have i have got yeah. to give a shout out to I, I can't remember who who it was that did the review but they called out gary singleton is it gary singleton dave oh. singleton, dave singleton. Mm-hmm. who's can... loving it right now if you put this in who's loving yes we're mentioning his name yes again. but yeah. can you can you pull it up on your phone right quick because in a review Dave Singleton is actually oh, called, yeah. out called out and yeah, yeah, yeah. quite put in his place, if I might add. With <laughs> well, we'll just let listeners can look it up when they go on iTunes to do their own review. When you're reviewing the podcast, look please at... Please review us. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to sound desperate, but please. Um, <laughs> right after we get done pontificating about we're the best <laughs> podcast. <laughs> just, we, we just want affirmation. I, please review us. In the review, I appreciate the six-foot unicycle shout-out. That, oh uh, yeah that was done which all the reviews are great they really are everyone who's reviewed us you know it's easy when the, they have their real names but like there's mom one two three four five six seven eight left a nice review and uh gabby something or other and those are just really a nice encouragement and like we've mentioned the coolest thing about this podcast is that it's connected us to people in better ways than like i think facebook is even capable of doing I mean, there's something about listening to a podcast. I found this, the podcasts that I like are ones where you kind of get to sit down on other people's conversations and sort of listen and hear what they're all about. And even people that I don't agree with on stuff, I just find it interesting, if the people are interesting, to hear what they talk about, what's important to them and stuff like that. Um, But there's a certain, not voyeurism, but like kind of uh, eavesdropping to it, which in the Facebook or Twitter world, feels like stalking or being creepy oh it's very creepy but with a podcast it's it's much more humane um you know first of all because it's welcomed you know encouraged and encouraged uh but it's also actually the person's voice and you know aside from the heavy editing we do to make ourselves sound smarter it's it's pretty real (laughs) it is it's pretty unfiltered yeah but facebook i mean it's so filtered and it's it's so static and pictures of people at their best and um that I I just don't think that it's as conducive to making at least it hasn't been for me. I that's why I got off it. Part of the reason why I got off it. But um yeah, just really cool to to connect with people. People in Germany, Christine, I mean, all over the place. What uh, a, that's such a Jennifer blessing, in Canada. Man. And to be honest, it's a blessing to just be able to sit around and like talk about the faith. Mm-hmm. Uh because when you talk about the faith and you share it, it grows inside of you. Mm-hmm. And it's that's a huge blessing, man. Kind of like the aliens from the movie Alien. That's exactly the same. Like they, they attack inside your face you. and then they <laughs> get in you and then they bust out of your stomach. Oh, yeah. Like gosh. that's the best form of evangelization <laughs> I've had is when it's like when it's like alien out of your gut. And just for the record, you guys told me eventually I would get paid for doing this podcast. <laughs> what? So why? I Chicks in the mail. Did it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so if it's not there, it got lost in the mail. <laughs> yeah. I'm right, sorry. There's nothing we can do about it. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, why i do it yeah. so anyway <laughs> yeah. no he mailed uh, coming this summer new juice <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
it will and there is something else that i and maybe this is for another podcast but like just how you can relate to a human being from their voice you get to know them mm-hmm. much more than you can from a photo and certain, of course a photo like sure. it, it Although I've been amazed sometimes when you when you see billboards of people on the radio that I've heard before, like Eric and Kathy, this big morning show, 101.9, that I listened to like in high school and stuff like that before school. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing a picture of them for the first time. I thought, that's what they look like? Right. <laughs> and they weren't ugly or weird looking, but it was just not at all what I'd pictured. Yeah, sure. Um, well, it's like, it's kind of the, in a, in a way, it's like you really love a book and then they make it into a movie. Yeah. And, it, and then like you have... You, you know, have I guess that's not real necessarily, mm-hmm. but well, it can help like give you an image, or it can completely like you'll just hate the movie, mm-hmm. yeah, because it's not what you imagine. It's not what you imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's how they say radio's theater of the mind, Mike. Right, it makes it really exists in your head, mm-hmm. which sounds like a crazy statement, but that's I mean that's real to the individual. They're really experiencing a book in that yeah. way, and so it makes sense. We talked about this the other day, mm-hmm. how, of course, the word comes to us via scripture and via the word. Like, that's how we relate to people. That's how we get to know human beings. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, God, the personal God, is going to send his son as the logos. And we're going to read it in scripture as the word. And so that you really do experience God. Right. It, it, the words themselves mean something. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it's absolutely remarkable I, the faith the faith is so human it's yeah. so incarnate like they're an experience of the word yeah, yeah that's how it all intertwines it's it's scandalous how <laughs> incarnate it is yeah sometimes well it's like that's, that's very true that's Monsignor senior whole thing too if like he'll point at you and say like you are jesus mm-hmm. and that freaks people out <laughs> man when they first mm-hmm. see it but what he's getting at is like i mean he's he's right in what he's saying is like you are jesus he's not you know isn't made up make believe like let's all act like we are and i'm his we're his hands and his feet and sometimes why that ranks so hollow to me and when i was in grade school or like can you see jesus in the poor i thought it was we were making pretend you know right that oh you have to pretend like that's jesus uh or you know you could might as well pretend it's a cow or something you know Mm -hmm. but that there's a real ontological backing behind that statement that jesus continues to be incarnate in his church, in his poor, in the Eucharist, uh, and all these things. But you have to have eyes to see it. Are we ready? Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. And down.